Welcome back to the Rob O'Donnell Show on WILK News Radio, 103.1 FM, 910980 AM, or anywhere on the Odyssey app. You can also catch us anywhere you get your favorite podcast. It's uh, 410, 36 degrees and cloudy. I'm honored again to bring on my next guest, Commander Kirk Leopold, U.S. Navy retired, was the commanding officer of the USS Cole when it came under attack in the Port of Aden by Al-Qaeda terrorists on October 12, 2000. He's the author of the book Front Burner, Al-Qaeda's Attack on the USS Cole, 1981 United States Naval Academy graduate, Naval Postgraduate School, also graduate of the United States Army Command and General Staff College and the Joint Forces Staff College. Commander Arlie Burke, class destroyer of the USS Cole, and uh, is here to give us his, his expert opinion on what's going on in the Red Sea. Commander, thanks for joining the Rob O'Donnell Show today. Thank you, Rob. Pleasure to be on again. So, uh, you know, a lot's happened since we last talked. In the past just over a month, um, the USS Kearney is attacked by four, well, interdicts with 14 attack drones. We have the USS Laboon and F-18s on 1226. 1228, we have the USS Mason with multiple ballistic missiles interdicted. And uh, most recently, 1230, the USS Gravely, uh, which two anti-ship ballistic missiles, which they're saying was directed at their ship, and uh, UH-60s from both their boat and uh, the Ike, uh, you know, with fast attack boats in the area. Give us a rundown of what's going on here. I think what you're actually seeing, first and foremost, is clearly... These Navy ships and their crews are very well trained. They've been given the rules of engagement necessary to make sure that no threat can attack either them or the civilian ships, maritime ships they're trying to protect, and that the positioning of the Navy in that region, in the Red Sea, the Strait of Babel, Mandeb, and the Gulf of Aden, clearly is showing promise that we can keep these vessels safe. Now, that said, Here's the real problem, Rob. The United States and the Biden administration is not solving the problem. They are solving the symptom. We are shooting down drones that cost anywhere from three to five thousand dollars with one with two point one billion dollar missiles, and in the case of the anti-ballistic missiles, upwards of five million dollars. Financially, we can't support it. And we're not targeting either the sites where these missiles are coming from and the drones are being launched from, nor are we going after the root cause of this instability, which is Iran. And at some point, we are going to have to take positive action to deter them and prevent them from doing these kinds of attacks. I I, I thank you for bringing up how good these crews have been work have been doing under this type of circumstance. And I just want to note, especially when it comes to the USS Kearney, and I'm sure the rest uh, are sure to follow, is uh, Naval Forces Central Command Commander Vice Admiral Brad Cooper awarded uh, two Navy Commendation Medals, four Navy Achievement Medals, and the entire crew, the Combat Action River, and included the Bronze Star for the skipper of that boat. So it is being recognized that these these guys and girls, uh, these sailors out there, are doing God's work when they're, they're assigned to the ships and are on point with their mission. I hope so. The only thing I hope is that the uh, Navy allowed that Bronze Star to be with the Combat V for valor because they were, in fact, under attack. So I'm just keeping my fingers crossed on that front. But I will tell you right now, the problem we're having, Rob, is that the international coalition that the Biden administration put together is not functioning as it was envisioned. I mean, here you have a secretary of defense who was a central command commander and 
when you look at it, he should understand the threat and how to stop it, having lived in that region, having been in that region, and worked with all the major military leaders of almost every country that's over there. And yet here we're proving ourselves almost inept and weak that we're still willing to have these shot at us. What I fear more than anything, Rob, is that while these crews have been successful, the odds run against you. And eventually, if you see a missile get through, the last thing this nation needs is a photo op at Dover Air Force Base bringing back flag-draped coffins because the Biden administration is not being proactive in stopping the threat. They're only reacting to it, and I fear for the lives of our sailors. As, as do we all, as we do all, Commander. Um, on 1230, the USF Gravely, not only did they interdict two anti-ship ballistic missiles that, by reports that I'm getting ev- uh, via most news outlets, were tar- was targeting that ship, they also launched their UH-60 from the Gravely to combat three, uh, four fast boats that were attacking container ships in that area. Run us through what goes on. You're, you're the skipper of an Arleigh Burke-class destroyer. You're taking incoming missiles. You're launching 60s. Uh, you know, Walk us through what that entails. I think what they'll do is the first thing is you will set general quarters to make sure that your ship is, has the best watertight integrity that you have the best people in the best positions to be able to fight that ship effectively. Depending on how long the battle goes, you may have to step down to condition two to allow for watch rotations, people to eat, to make normal routine, you know, bathroom breaks and things like that, head calls as we, as we refer to them. But at the end of the day, they have to be up on edge to do this. They will launch that helo. It is fully armed. Everyone at this point in those crews, especially the helo crews that are now going to go and get a little bit closer and be a little bit, you know, in, in harm's way, have to make sure that they know and understand the rules of engagement. Everybody, the ships, the helos, they have an inherent right of self-defense. So it may be that they have to be shot at before they can react. I think that's a little behind given what's going on. But when they go to engage these boats, they should be able to take them under fire and eliminate the threat. A recent one that's going to come up that's going to challenge the ROE, Iran has deployed a patrol boat. It has anti-ship missiles on it. Well, guess what? This generation of young naval officers is now going to get an opportunity to do what we did in my day against the Soviet Union. You run a constant targeting solution. You know where that ship is at all times, and you monitor it to make sure it doesn't indicate any hostile intent or even worse, a hostile act like shooting at you. And if it does those things, you have the ROE in place, if not ask for them, to be able to take that vessel out before it can even get a shot off. And just the mere fact that the targets that we have done, which, let's be honest, a lot of them have been empty tents in the middle of the desert. You know, we we did have a couple of strikes where personnel were taken out, that uh, the people responsible, the Houthi rebels. But we all know who's pulling the strings here, the Iranian government. You know, back in, after the 1993 Marine Barracks attack, President Reagan said acts of terrorism are an act of war. And in 1988, Operation Praying Mantis sunk half Iran's functioning Navy in response to the mining of the USS Samuel B. Roberts. Is this administration, do they have the fortitude to send the message, stop firing on our sailors? Well, it's not only the administration, Rob, to which I have my doubts, but I look at the senior military leadership today. I mean, look at Secretary Austin. 
he's one of these classic four stars that have been out there that they got promoted because nothing went wrong during their command tours. In other words, they were risk-averse, and by nothing happening and by not leaning forward, they never really defined themselves by doing things in a very proactive manner. So they're playing it safe now, and clearly, as a four-star politician, he is playing it safe in how we're reacting over there. And that's what, that's what I'm concerned with more than anything else. These young men and women deserve to have leaders that know how to function under combat conditions and do what is necessary to defend the United States and our national security interests around the world. And we are in a period of strategic danger. While Russia, China, and Iran are not coordinating their efforts, they're certainly synchronizing their activities in a manner that undermines our national security across the board. And if we don't start answering them, we're going to be in trouble. In the case of Iran, I would make the argument we don't need to go from doing nothing to kinetic and start shooting. Why aren't sanctions being put in place? Why don't we recognize that the Joint Comprehensive Plan of Action or Iran Nuclear Agreement, that JCPOA, is dead? If it's dead, put all the sanctions in place that we had beforehand and make Iran immediately start to feel the squeeze economically. And then let's start inspecting vessels. Every vessel leaving Iran, we're going to inspect for illegal arms or any kind of terrorist activity. And one of the most simplest things that I'm 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 astounded hasn't been done is the Biden administration declassified the Houthi rebels as a terrorist organization. Why hasn't that been instituted back? Why hasn't there been an immediate statement that saying, you know, we're denouncing these attacks? I mean, how many attacks do we need? We're talking about almost a half dozen now with dozens of incoming missiles. Uh, Rob, I'll tell you exactly why. Because the Biden administration is nothing more than a shadow government for what was the Obama administration, and they are desperate. You have so many people that became intellectually and emotionally invested in the Iran nuclear agreement that they will do anything to try it, see it get passed. Taking the Houthis off of that terror watch list, that was a favor to Iran to express good faith on the part of Americans, that we can trust you, that you will do the right thing. And look what it got us. It got us October 7th, and it has Iran now working in Iraq, in Syria, in Lebanon, and Yemen, now targeting U.S. forces. And we've just been darn lucky that we haven't had any of our people killed. But I tell you, as long as Iran continues to do this and we do nothing proactive in return, eventually it is going to cost us in American lives. Well said. And we all know China, with their intentions with Taiwan, are strongly watching this, seeing dozens upon dozens of one-way attack drones, anti-ship ballistic missiles, land cruise missiles being fired at us with, with little to no response. Absolutely. Look at the parallels between Iran and how they have essentially encircled the entire Middle East with proxy groups. Take a look at China what they have done in projecting power out in those illegal under international law, those militarized islands, what are referred to as the the Dash 9 line or the 9-dash line that goes all those militarized islands projecting power into the South China Sea, they're going to begin to do the same thing. They're going to begin to disrupt maritime traffic. They're going to use those islands to to project power and harass shipping 
And while the, while the navies of the world, including the United States, gets distracted, they'll move on Taiwan. This is a roadmap for how to do things. And that's what I don't believe the Biden administration or even the Republicans truly appreciate how that represents a strategic danger. They militarized those islands, and the United States, through multiple administrations, Republican and Democrat, have done essentially nothing. If you want a world-based rule, a rules-based world order, if you want people to have international law that is respected and followed, then you have to act when people disobey it. And China needs to be held to account, and we won't do it because we're afraid of the economic impact. Again, I'm speaking with Commander Kirk Leopold, U.S. Navy retired, was the commanding officer of the USS Cole when it came under attack. Uh, you have the book Front Burner, Al-Qaeda's Attack on the USS Cole. Uh, where, can, where can listeners get that book, book to read about y- y- your leadership and what happened that day? Well, thank you for that plug, Rob. The best place is actually Amazon.com and just type in Front Burner Book, and it comes up, and uh, I very much appreciate it. The only thing that they will find a little bit scary about that book is that when I was attacked, there was no response by the Clinton administration who walked out of office doing nothing, no response by the Bush administration who took an attitude of we're forward-looking, not not backward-acting. And 11 months after I was attacked and 17 of my brave sailors died and 37 were wounded, the United States had no response to the attack on USS Cole. That attack should be informing the Biden administration, not giving them an excuse to do nothing. Well, I I ran into a building just about a year later because of that lack of response, so I appreciate everything you did and the sacrifice your crew made that day. Commander, thanks for joining the Rob O'Donnell Show. Uh, I look forward to having you back on again. Thank you. Always an honor honor to be on, Rob. Happy New Year to all your listeners, and uh, keep faith and keep supporting those who choose to serve our great nation. Amen, amen. Thank you, Commander. Yes, sir. It's uh, 424 here at WILK. Time for traffic and weather. And thank you, Rob. This traffic update is brought to you by Bentella Data Internet. It's still just a little backed up on 84 westbound near the exit to Promised Land State Park due to a multi-vehicle crash. We have no reports of any accidents on 81 from the New York border to Hazleton. That is looking pretty good. 476, the PA Turnpike seems clear. It is bumper to bumper on William Street in Pittston, Blakely Street in Dunmore, and North Kaiser Avenue in Scranton. Whenever you see a traffic problem, call our jam line 570-883-7269. Nikki Stone, WILK Traffic. Thank you, Nikki. Here's the Storm Tracker 16 forecast from Chief Meteorologist Kurt Aaron. This afternoon, a mix of clouds and sun, high around 40. Tonight, cold front arrives, breezy and cooler with flurries. Flurries! Low 30. Yeah. Thursday, morning snow showers with flurries followed by a gusty northwest wind, high 36. Thursday night, clearing skies, breezy and frigid, low 20. Whoa. Friday, mostly sunny and cold, high 36. Saturday, snow showers arrive, heavy at times in the afternoon, high 37. Sunday, snow tapers off in the afternoon, high 37. It's currently 36 degrees and cloudies here at 425 at your official weather station, WILK. Welcome back to the Rob O'Donnell Show on WILK News Radio. It's 429, 36 degrees here. Let's go to the phone. Again, you can call 570-883-0098. Get involved with the conversation. Let's go to the phones. We have uh, Frank from Old Forge on Kirk's comments. Frank. 
Rob, you know, what does it say when your listeners, our listeners, know more than the United States government? We know it's a proxy war with the Houthis. We know the JCP is dead. We know that we're funding Iran. That's Look, Rob, without money, there's no war. You can't shoot a missile if you don't have the money to buy it. So why are we shooting $5 million? Your guy said, what, $5 million a missile to try to shoot down a drone? Like, where are we going with this stuff? Like, we're going to be – Rob, there doesn't have to be a war. We'll be bankrupt and beholden to somebody else before we even have to take the battlefield. Uh, I agree. $34 trillion in debt as of this past Friday. Um, We're not responding to attacks on our military ships. Uh, We're we're sending the wrong message nationwide, uh, worldwide. But it's not, you know, Rob, are are they sending the wrong message? I I don't think so. I think that the Americans are, are, we're going down without a fight, my friend, because, look, that tr- that thirty four trillion dollars. When you raise the interest rate from three percent that it was two and a half years ago to what it is now, like the who's paying that? We are. So we're paying more for everything. And you know what? And now you're busting in and flying in illegals on top of that thirty four trillion, my friend. I just wanted to start off twenty twenty four by saying, unless people fix it, it ain't fixing itself, and you will be bankrupt in the land that your fought, forefathers fought for. That's a Indirect quote from Jefferson. Yeah, I don't know where these politicians think they're they're going. I mean, they're basically running us into a wall, and after the wall breaks or we wake up from the hit, what uh, what do we do then? I mean, they they really. I understand their perpetual election cycle. They don't really want problems to go away because that's what gets them reelected. That's what keeps them elected. That's what yep. keeps them looking at the true issues we have. You know, they've created this this illegal migrant crisis along the nation. Okay, so we're not looking at anything else. You know, as mu- as we're getting a trillion dollars in debt every three months. Um, you know, they create things. My son things- just asked me, Rob. My son just asked, "How many are in there?" I said, "How many what?" He said, how many enemy combatants are coming across that border, right, Frank? What, Chinese, whatever they are, like, Chinese. how many are here? I said, you know what? <laughs> There's a lot of them. But uh, I just we've, to we've had more people on the known terrorist watch list coming yeah. over the past year than did in the past decade. Yeah, and they're deleting our Facebook account because we're dangerous. Okay, <laughs> yeah. I hear yeah. you, Rob. <laughs> no doubt. But I, I'm, I'm glad you listened to Kirk Leopold. He's one of the best uh, yeah. in the nation on this topic. He was there firsthand when he was attacked, when his ship was attacked, dealt with it, saw the response after a lack of response from administrations. And he's seeing this now. It's a Navy that he loves. It's a Navy he cares about. And uh, he's just seeing it, you know, Yep. leaving Same these guys out. Out in the water or the wind, uh, you know, no pun intended, to uh, deal with issues as they arise. But again, um, you know, fire until fire upon, that's only going to go so far. And he said, all we need is a bad day and uh, we're going to have some caskets. Well, God bless America and let's change course in 24. Let's hope so. Let's hope so, my friend. Thanks for checking in. Thanks, Rob. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. It's uh, 4.32 here at WILK. Time for the news with Paul Michael. Welcome back to the Rob O'Donnell Show on WILK News Radio. 36 degrees and cloudy outside at 445 on this Wednesday, January 3rd, 2024. The Rob O'Donnell Show is brought to you by Road Scholar Transport. You have unique shipping needs, and Road Scholar has unique shipping solutions. Dry van, temperature controlled, and high security are just a few. Visit roadscholar.com. Got a text message in, and it looks like it's been a while, but uh, Internet is down in a lot of North Pocono area, including TV. 
if you have Xfinity. Most gas stations and grocery stores can't accept cards, so cashless society. Uh, sounds like a good idea, right? Uh, so um, looks like they're saying it's going to be up and running by 640, but something to think about how much we depend on the Internet and electricity for that matter. People lose their minds when they lose electricity for a, lot of, a little bit of time. And I just saw my friends over at the Highbridge house said that their phones are down and Internet's down, but they are open. So you can't call ahead to make reservations or order, but you can head over to the Highbridge house if you want to do that. Because, I, again, I just saw them post on Facebook that they are open, but they don't have Internet or phones. So, uh Hopefully uh, you have terrestrial radio and you're listening in the North Pocono area, and hopefully they get you up and running shortly. Well, today in history, let me see what we got today. We have former leader of Panama, Manuel Noriega, surrendered to American forces today in 1990. Hmm. Britain seized control of the Falkland Islands in 1833. American General George Washington defeats British General Charles Cornwallis at the Battle of Princeton today in 1777. There was one other thing we saw. I saw. Let me give me a second here. Oh, in 1431, Joan of Arc was handed over to the Bishop Pierre Conchin. Leonardo, in 1496, Leonardo da Vinci unsuccessfully tests a flying machine. 1496. Okay, we have, uh, yeah, and again, 1777, the George Washington defeat of General Charles Cornwallis. Let me see what else we got. In 1815, Austria, the United Kingdom, and France form a secret defensive alliance treaty against Prussia and Russia. Stephen, in 1823, Stephen F. Austin receives a grant of land in Texas from the government of Mexico. Eighteen sixty one, Delaware voted not to succeed from the United States during the Civil War. Let's see what else we got. World War Two Top Ace Major Greg Pappy Boyington is shot down in his Corsair by Captain Quato flying a zero. 19, that was 1944. In 1945, in World War II, Admiral Chester W. Nimitz is placed in command of U.S. naval forces in preparation for the planned assaults against Iwo Jima, Okinawa, and Japan. In 1947, proceedings of the U.S. Congress are televised for the first time. 1956, some of you may even remember this, a fire damaged the top of the Eiffel Tower. 1957, the Hamilton Watch Company introduced the first electric watch. 1959, Alaska is admitted as the 49th U.S. state. 1961, the United States severs diplomatic relations with Cuba. 1962, Pope John 
The 23rd excommunicates Fidel Castro from the church. 1977. Don't you wish you were there at that time? Apple Computer is incorporated. 1977. Look at where they are now. Let me see. Um, 1999, the Mars Polar Lander is launched. That's pretty much it for today. Today in history. What do we got? Uh, the day of, you know, each, how each day has a day. Today's uh, January 3rd, right? It's Festival of Sleep Day, Drinking Straw Day, National Chocolate Covered Cherry Day, Humiliation Day, Fruitcake Toss Day. What's the day that fruitcakes go bad and you throw them away? Don't they ever not go bad? I don't mind fruitcake, though I'm staying away from all that now. Eating healthy since the first of the year, I might add. And um, New York City is expecting quite a storm this weekend. Maybe. It's a major New York City storm could bring significant snow for the first time in nearly 700 days. And the Big Apple will be hit with a nor'easter this weekend that could bring measurable snow to the reason for the first time in 700 days. The storm is set to arrive in Gotham on Saturday night, just like we're supposed to get the outskirts of that here and stay until Monday morning, potentially becoming the first to bring more than an inch of snow to the reason since February of 2022. Where uh, I saw anywhere from three to six inches for us. Saturday night into Sunday. Hopefully not, but if it's on a weekend, I'd rather it then than any other time. So uh, just so you're aware, there is the possibility. Again, this is all due to temperatures, the track the nor'easter takes. Uh, nor'easter is the storms that come off the coast and move inland. Depending on how much it moves inland, depend how much of circulation we get, does it pull in warm air to change it to rain or slush or whatever. And how cold it is here. But uh, I saw on the Weather Channel for our area, for my area specifically, northern Lackawanna County, they were looking at anywhere from three to six inches. That was just before I came in here for the show. I know during the official storm trackers forecast, they are calling for snow showers to arrive heavy at times in the afternoon. And then snow tapers off Sunday afternoon, but they're not giving an amount. Smart move, because we know how that always goes. I'd wait till the, the last minute to give an amount, too. And again, it's only Wednesday. But just so you're aware, so you can plan properly, make sure you have your French toast ready, because uh, that seems to be what we're going And French toast is one of my favorite breakfasts. I'm not eating that either, though. I'm going to have to get some eggs. Maybe fry up some ham we have left over from New Year's. One of those things. It's uh, 4.52 here at WILK. We'll be back with the Rob O'Donnell Show in just a minute. Here with the Rob O'Donnell Show here on WILK News Radio. 36 degrees and cloudy outside at 4.55. Hopefully you're uh, almost done, if not already done, on your way home, doing whatever. It's uh, interesting. My daughter had to run around today. She's up for you know the week or so on leave from the academy. She had to run uh, renew her driver's license which they were very helpful there, so that's very good. Uh, thankfully, she was able to get it done, but they were able to give a military endorsement on it, so if she's ever out of the area and can't renew it right away, it's valid until uh, she gets back to the area. And some other uh, official th- forms turn uh, 
21 and got her concealed carry permit. So it was good. Appreciate our sheriff's department for looking out. And I appreciate everyone who takes the privilege of right of self-defense. Seriously. Who we got here? Rural EMS agencies respond to and train for more drug-related calls, but they can't always get the people the help they need. In northwest Pennsylvania, Elks County EMS has had training sessions to learn more about drug use as a disease and how to use overdose reversal drug, Narcan, Naloxone. Tyler Bender, basic life support supervisor and paramedic for the Elk County EMS, has seen how opioid overdose have made life harder in Elk County and Fayette County, where he worked temporarily. The opioid epidemic was crazy down there, he said. Every day, multiple patients for narcotic use, drug use. But when I started thinking about it and realized back home in rural Pennsylvania, it's growing too. Pennsylvania had more than 5,400 overdose deaths in 2021. The state estimated that 300,000 residents have an addiction. Rural agencies have fewer staff on call and larger areas to cover, which lengthens travel times. A long wait can be deadly. Uh, you know, I, I worked narcotics in the late 90s. And uh, we saw then, especially even the early late 80s, early 90s with the crack e epidemic, but then you had heroin making a comeback. And then they had stronger heroin coming in. And this was pre-fentanyl. And what you saw from drug users is their, their goal, if you're a drug user, and again, I, I've seen it firsthand, their goal is to get that ultimate high. And they push that envelope ever so close because they really don't care about the consequences. They do know that they're, they're able to die, and they're extremely believe it or not cautious about that but they do they do become experts on pushing that envelope skirting that boundary because that's what gives them the ultimate high it's every time you do it yeah you need a little more you have to do something else to to get a little further because you, you said okay well I, I did this and i got to this level and i was out for this long and i was in my utopia whatever you want to call it drug stupor Let's not sensationalize it. It's, it's drug use. But their goal is to find that ultimate high. And we saw with Narcan and with the advent of fentanyl, now again, something you cannot judge. You cannot know exactly what's in there. So you are really playing Russian roulette now. But when Narcan first came out, we saw them pushing that envelope because they knew if I overdo it, if I take it too far, there's a better chance that I'm brought back now. And it did cause some people, more than a few, to push that envelope further, to test that line between life and death more. Uh, it is a good thing to have, especially if it's an accidental overdose, if you're cross-contaminated or something like that, or even to save a loved one who has a problem that you're fighting with to get them help, gives them that second chance, gives you that second chance as their family members. But unless they make that conscious decision to fix themselves and treat themselves, uh, it's not going to go. But 
our EMTs around the nation are having an issue dealing with it, especially in rural areas. And I just wanted to highlight that because it is something we deal with here day in and day out. It's 5 o'clock here on WILK. We'll be back.